Uh, welcome to Union Chapel. want to uh, say that we're concluding this series we've been on now for a few weeks, trying to answer some of life's more difficult questions. This series has been the simple word, why? Today, I want to tackle a subject that is relevant to everyone in this room, and it is the subject of why it is so challenging to grow old. How many of you in the room are old? You know who you are. So, some of you, some of you uh, don't know for sure if you're old or not. Those of you who are young in the room, listen to me. You may think that this message is irrelevant to you. Well, I can just put this on cruise control and this will be relevant to me some other point in my life. But listen, you will be old before you know it. Look up, look up at me just for a second. You don't have to look long. I am your future. This is what's going to happen to you in not many days from now. So be sober and be alert, be circumspect, and trust God as you get older. Today I want to uh, read from the 90th Psalm. This is a Psalm of Moses. And we, we think that Moses wrote this Psalm sometime when he was in his 90s. Moses lived to 120, and we think somewhere in his 90s or so, this is when he penned this important psalm, and he gives us insight on how to understand from a, from a, a godly perspective what it means to get old and how to respond to it in a more favorable way. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 90. If you don't, we'll project these words on the screen for you. Our custom here is to stand, and, and that's if you're able. Psalm 90. And Moses wrote, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that you're due. Teach us then to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. And may God inspire us today through his word. You may be seated. Thanks so much. Now, I'm about to explain life to you. And, and hopefully you'll find it humorous. It's meant to be humorous, but this is an explanation for life. It's free of charge. On the first day, God created the dog and said, sit all day by the door of your house and bark at anyone who comes in or walks past. For this, I will give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said, that's a long time to be barking. 
how about you only give me 10 years, I'll give you back the other 10. And God saw that it was good. On the second day, God created the monkey and said, entertain people, do tricks, make them laugh. For this, I will give you a 20-year lifespan. And the monkey said, wow, monkey tricks for 20 years, that's a pretty long, long time to perform. How about I give you back 10 years like the dog? And God again saw that it was good. On the third day, God created the cow and said, you must go into the field with the farmer all day long, suffer under the sun, have calves, give milk to support the farmer's family. For this, I will give you a lifespan of 60 years. The cow said, that's kind of a tough life. You want me, want me to live it for 60 years? How about 20? And I'll give you back the other 40. And God agreed that it was good. And on the fourth day, God created humans and said, eat and sleep and play and marry and enjoy your life. For this, I will give you 20 years. But the human said, only 20 years? Could you possibly give me my 20 plus the 40? The cow gave back, the 10 the monkey gave back, and the 10 the dog gave back, that makes, makes 80, okay? And God said, okay, you asked for it. So, that is why for our first 20 years, we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. For the next 40 years, we slave in the sun to support our family. For the next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain our grandchildren. And the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and bark at everyone. Now, life has now been explained. There are few inescapable realities in life, and growing old is one of them. Aging not only happens, aging happens fast. Can I get an amen? amen? Really fast. You know you're getting older when most of your dreams are reruns. The airline attendant offers you coffee, tea, or milk of magnesia. You sit down on a rocking chair, but you can't get it started. It's a bad sign. Your mind makes commitments your body can't keep. You're, the little gray-haired lady you help across the street is your wife. <laughs> Everything hurts, and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. You sink your teeth into a juicy steak, and they stay there. You watch a pretty girl go by, and your pacemaker makes the garage door open up. I heard the story of three very old gentlemen talking about important things. The 80-year-old said, if I could have anything in the world... It would be the ability to do number one successfully. The 85-year-old friend said, if I could have anything I want, it would be the ability to do number two. Their 90-year-old friend said, actually, about 6 a.m. every day I do number one. And just about every day at 6.30 a.m. sharp, I have a perfectly normal number two. My one wish is that I could wake up before seven. I got kicked out of a conference once for selling that joke. <laughs> Literally, I got kicked out. One guy wrote, I get up each morning, dust off my wits, pick up the paper, read the obits. If my name is missing, I know I'm not dead, so I eat a good breakfast and go back to bed. Yeah. An elderly couple attending church went about halfway through the service. She leans over and says to him, I just had a silent passing of gas. What should I do? 
He leaned back over to her and replied, when we get home, put a new battery in your hearing aid. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I, my side hurts. Oh. Both sides. Woman turned to her husband of many years and said, let's go upstairs and make love. He goes, make up your mind. I can't do both. <laughs> well, I got a million of them, but I have to stop now. <clears throat> For many people growing older, it represents a grim reality. It's a lonely and frightening journey that seems to be overwhelming, sometimes unbearable. Have you ever met an older person who just had a sour disposition? You run into people like that? It happens, doesn't it? And it happens in life because, because of our humanity. By the very nature of life, we wear out as we go. I mean, it just squeezes it out of us. And so life is something that takes its toll on all of us. And we come to terms with that more acutely as we grow older. Now, there are attitudes then and emotions that can develop in our lives under that time and that pressure. Now, these emotions are common to people who, who are a little bit older, but I just want to remind you that these are not emotions that come from God. God has a better idea. He has a better plan for us as we get older than to suffer some of the common and frequent feelings and attitudes that many of us begin to experience. Let me just give you a few of those as you think about them, and I've lift, left you some spaces in your bulletin, the outline to fill in this blank. And the first feeling that people often develop is a feeling of uselessness. Uselessness. The feeling says, I'm over the hill. You know, I'm just in the way. I really don't have much to contribute anymore, so I just back away from life. I just retreat from life. I, I disengage from any meaningful activity in my life. And it isn't uncommon to find that those who once played an extremely significant role in life feel the most useless as time passes. And we see this perhaps in some of our relatives. You know, my Uncle Bob, you know, he used to be an executive in the bank or was a professor at the university. Or my, my Aunt Mabel, she, you know, she was a very accomplished professional and, and she consulted businesses. And, and, you know, now she just, you know, they just sit, sit in a room. And you wonder... What's happened? And it's because of a feeling of uselessness can overcome people. Another emotion that emerges later in life is the emotion of guilt. Think about that. Guilt has a way of hijacking our minds as age slows our steps. I blew it. If I only had a second chance, I'd rear my family differently. I would handle my money differently. I was too much of this and not enough of that. And so guilt and regret begin to grip people's lives as they get older. Here's an anonymous verse that I, that I saw, and it reads, Across the fields of yesterday, he sometimes comes to me, a little lad just back from play, the boy I used to be. He smiles at me so wistfully when once he's crept within. It is as though he'd hoped to see the man I might have been. That's poignant, isn't it? These feelings of regret and guilt, they can grip our lives later in our life. Another emotion is self-pity. This happens to some folks. The woe is me syndrome 
nobody cares about me, so why should I care? And, and self-pity, it, it tends to span the extremes between blame and bitterness. You get to a certain point in life, you just say, well, I just feel pitiful about my own life because so-and-so treated me a certain way earlier in my life and my life took a different course. If, so, if they'd have been better to me or if I'd gotten the promotion or if someone had treated me more fairly, my life would have been better. And so we begin to blame and then find bitterness at the end of that and unforgiveness that corrupts our heart. And as a result of that, self-pity begins to set in. Elijah experienced this kind of moment in his own life when he felt all alone as a prophet in the nation at the time. The king hated him. People were trying to kill him. Nobody liked him. Everybody hated him. And he's sitting under a juniper tree, and we find this reference in 1 Kings 19. And this is what Elijah said. He said, it is enough now, O Lord, take my life. You know, woe is me. He's having a pity party in the extreme, you know, with hats and horns and confetti. Big pity party. And I'll just remind you that this is not God's best plan for us. A fourth emotion that I'll mention, and perhaps more than any other attitude, the feelings of fear are common. People become afraid. There are economic fears, fear of losing your health, losing your mind, losing your mate, losing your friends. And you couple, you couple this with the growing impatience of youth that exists in our culture today. I could say this without any hesitation, that American culture now demonstrates to us the largest gap, chasm, between generations of any other time in our history. There is this growing separation, isolation of generations between young and old, and this growing impatience and almost disdain from a younger generation to the older. And it's not a godly impulse. It is not a godly value. It is not a biblical way to live. What we hear God saying is that there should be mutual respect and admiration and honor and esteem from generation to generation. And that's what we should aspire to. But the impatience of youth and then the, the rising crime that exists in our culture towards senior citizens, and then you couple that with hearing loss and crippling disease, it's easy to understand why older adults would actually be embraced by fear. But let me just remind you that none of these feelings actually come from God. They're not his best idea. They're not his best design for our lives as we grow older. And Moses' words here in Psalm 90 actually give us some insight and give us some perspective and some help. Uh, he reminds us in the first two verses that God is ageless. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And so we're reminded that God, while we're getting old and getting older, in some cases really old, God hasn't aged a Aged a second, God is ageless. We may be diminished in our own physical capacity and other capacities, but not God. He's still just as vital as he's always been. And he's not affected whatsoever by our diminished phys physical health. He also uh, reminds us in verses 3 to 10 of the brevity and the pain of life. And he paints these word pictures, and we pick up on them. Life is like a day gone by, or life is like a watch in the night. Or life is like new grass which springs up in the morning, but by evening it withers and dies. And we finish our years with a moan. Indeed, sometimes living 70 years, if, if we have more strength, 80 years, no matter, they quickly pass, we fly away. And so we get, we get perspective on just the brevity of life. But then in verse 14 from our text in Psalm 90, 
we, we get some insight on how best to approach the future as we gain old. And he says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, notice he doesn't say, teach us to number our years or teach us to number our decades. He says, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. As it turns out, the longevity of life isn't the real point of life. It is the the quality of life that God is more interested in. And the best way to live a qualitative life is to live every day, live every day well, live every day with trust and hope and an expectation. And so this is why we hear a heart of wisdom comes if we are, are careful to study each of our days. Now, here's the first point I want to make about this. Here's the principle. Since every day is a gift from God, live each one enthusiastically for him. Live each one enthusiastically for him. Now, that's an important idea, isn't it? Let me remind you of Caleb. Last week, we talked about Joshua from Joshua chapter 1, and I guaranteed you success in life if you followed the instructions God gave to Joshua as he became the new leader of the nation before they crossed into the land of promise. And now we have Caleb, who is the other character in Joshua's generation who proved himself trustworthy and faithful. You remember the story that Moses led Israelites out of Egyptian bondage. They went through the Sinai across the Red Sea, through the Sinai, and up to Kadesh Barnea, where they were at the banks of the Jordan River, ready to cross over into the land of promise, the land that God had promised to Abraham. And so there they are, and Moses sends 12 spies to spy out the land of Canaan. And 10 of these guys come back, and they say, look, the cities are fortified. There are giants in the land. They have bigger armies. They have more resources. We're in deep stuff. We cannot possibly conquer these peoples. But Joshua and Caleb, they gave a faithful, trusting witness. And Caleb was one of those guys who said, we can surely take the land. God is with us. We can, let's go in and possess it. This is the promise of God. We can do it. But because the ten spies were so negative and so fearful that the people's hearts melted with fear, and God realized he couldn't trust this entire generation to, to embrace the land of promise. And so for 40 years, you remember the story now, they wandered in the desert of Sinai until an entire generation had died. Now that generation has passed, but it's been 40 years. And Caleb now approaches the new leader, the successor to Moses, who's Joshua. And Caleb says to Joshua, all right, you remember the promise that Moses made to me way back when, 45 years ago now. Caleb and Joshua, Caleb is now 85 years old. Now think about this. He's 85 years old. And he says to Joshua, Moses promised me that whatever part of the land of promise I wanted, that, that he would give it to me. He would give his blessing to me that I could possess whatever part of the land that I chose. He said, I've chosen the part I want. He said, I want the high country. He said, I, I, want the, I, want the, I want the hill country of Hebron. And I know that there are some, there are some powerful people in the hill country, and taking hill country is a lot more difficult, as you understand militarily. But he said, give me the, the, the high country of Hebron. And Joshua said, I remember the promise God made through Moses, and so I give you my blessing. You can have anything that the sole of your, your foot treads on, 
it's yours. You can have it. And this is what Caleb did. He said, you know, here's my bedroom slippers. Here's my house robe. I'm 85 years old. And this is what he says to Joshua. He said, I'm just as vital now at 85 as I was when I was 40, when Moses sent me in as a spy. And he said, we're going to go take the hill country. So let me at him. He he trades his slippers in for some work boots. He trades his cane in for for a battle sword at 85 years old. And the last verse of Joshua chapter 14 says, to this day, the land of Hebron is known as the land of Caleb and his descendants. Because that old boy went in there. He said, I'm just as vital now to fight and to counsel as I was when I was 40 years old. And God gave him that hill country. It is incredibly inspiring, especially to those who have reached an older age. It is a fabulous illustration. Now, a couple of observations from this story, and I want to put these on the screen. You should write them down. The first one is this. It is possible for life's greatest achievements to occur in old age. It's possible for life's greatest achievements to occur in old age. We've seen a renaissance of Colonel Sanders and his Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Did you know that Colonel Sanders, the original, didn't open up a chicken restaurant until he was 65 years old. The whole thing didn't start until he was 65. All of his mega success, which continues on now these decades after his own death, was the result of his willingness to take risks and to attempt great things at an older age. I'll say it again. It's possible for life's greatest achievements to occur in old age. Now let me just say this out loud. There are people in this room right now And you are at an age that you would consider, culture would consider you're old. And here's what I want to say to you. Thus says the Lord of heaven. I'm not a prophet or the son of the prophet, but I can tell tell you that this is true just by, by by the odds of those present. Listen to me. The greatest influence of your life for the kingdom of God, for the witness of Jesus Christ, is yet to take place. You may think that your primary years are behind you, but you're mistaken. Because your greatest years are ahead of you. The years where God is going to employ you, your experiences, your gifts, your capacity. He's going to employ you in ways that right now you can't even imagine. But he's going to use you in ways that create greater kingdom influence in the latter years of your life than any of the former years. The best in your life is yet to come. Caleb was 85 before he made his mark, his real mark in history. And he possessed the fullness of God's call and purpose for his life, his destiny in life. And that'll be true for many of us as well. I believe that with all of my heart. So it is possible that life's greatest achievements will occur in old age. Now, here's the second observation, and you should write this down as well. There is no retirement from the Christian life. There's no retirement from the Christian life. It's it's there and it's clear. So now I want to put something else on the screen because I want to push on you just a little bit. You see, age isn't our problem. Do you see that on the screen? Age isn't our problem. A traditional attitude is. Here's what happens to us. We suffer in this culture from an invisible media fallout. We've been programmed to believe that we turn 65 years old or so, and when we do, we immediately transform into some occupational pumpkin. 
Yeah. And at that point, this is the cultural assumption that is laid on top of us. This, this is what happens to us because we tend to conform to the cultural norms. And so this is what we do. And at 65 or whatever that threshold is, we somehow then believe that it's now time to start to shuffle, to stoop, to sneer, and to snore all the way to the end. And bark off the front porch. Hey! Where did that come from? What is that about? What is, what's happening to us? Larry Olson is the author of a book called Outdoor Survival Skills, and he's talking about if you're going to survive in a difficult environment, you know, out in, out in nature somewhere, if, you, if, if you're going to, you find yourself kind of lost out in the woods sometime, you're going to have to have a good attitude in order to survive. And he tells this little anecdote. He said, he's been out of food and water for days. His lips are swollen. His tongue is swollen. He's all beat up and bloody. Some of his bones are almost peeking through. He's been scraped and beat up by the cactus and sand and sun. He's blistered. He has uh, bugs crawling all over him. And so he makes his way on all fours up this little hill and he comes across a little plant and he props himself up on one bloody elbow and looks down at this plant. And he says, you know, if things keep going like this, I might get discouraged. And he was just using this hyperbole, this contrast to remind us that we have to maintain a positive approach, a, a, a good attitude, even when things are tough and things are hard. Let me just, uh, let me give you this second point. Uh, the first one was to respond enthusiastically to every day. Here's the second one. View life then as a challenge and not as a threat. See life as a challenge and not as a threat. See, the, the answer to, is to adopt Caleb's mentality and refuse all temptations to hibernate, to worry, to curl up, to fold up, and to dry up. Resist that. Grab each day and accept each hour as a challenge. You, you understand how this works. It doesn't matter how old you are. If circumstances are really pressing against you, it's easy just to, just to see that life is nothing but a threat a threat to my well-being, a threat to my very life. And if you see life that way, then, then, then you, will, you will approach it from a negative perspective so that every pain becomes, oh, oh, wait, oh, I got to, oh, this must be the big one. This is the big one. I know it is. My, you know, my, my grandpa, he dropped over dead when he was 48. This is my turn. Oh, here I go. Here I come, Elizabeth. You know, that whole thing. No. Listen, here's a fact. Here's a fact. We're all sucking air and getting old. That's it. We're all just breathing air and getting old. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. You have a birthday. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. You have another birthday. Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Look in the mirror. You don't recognize the person. Who the heck is that? Who's the geezer in the mirror? It happens. Life happens. Now, you can either, oh, man, the Grim Reaper's after me. This is, he's after me. I don't, I can, this is horrible. I, you know, I need to get in a bunker somewhere and try to avoid this whole thing. You can, look, you can take life as a threat. At a certain age, there'll be heads nodding in just a minute. All you young people, look around just a second. At a certain age, there's always something wrong. 
There's always something going on. You wake up, oh, what is that? You wake up the next day, oh, what? I woke up one morning not too long ago reaching for a pair of socks, and my back went out. Oh, socks, really? Socks got me this time? Not a bag of salt. Socks. Years ago, I was moving the communion table on a Sunday morning before church because it was, it was communion Sunday. And I was moving the altar table from one location to another. So I was just kind of dragging it. It's, you know, it's a big, heavy table. I was just kind of dragging it across the floor, and my back went out. Setting up the communion table. I thought, come on, God, there ought to be a dispensation for this. <laughs> Can't jab a guy for moving an altar table. I guess not. So you can either take that as a threat, life's aches and pains, life's unique challenges, or you can, you can take them as a challenge, as a challenge. Some of you know Tony Horton. He's one of the new workout gurus. He's, a, he's a, introduced P90X to the world. How many of you have done P90X? How many? There won't be very many, I understand. <laughs> Sissies need not apply for P90X. I have done P90X. Chris say, you know, he just did our announcements a while ago. I noticed that he was, you know, kind of letting himself go. And I thought, I've got to help this guy before he completely wastes away. And so we started doing some exercise uh, videos here among our staff. And, and so we, we did Tony Horton for a while and did P90X. And, and Chris kept up pretty well. I was proud of him. And, and then we went to Sean T., and we did his 25-minute workout. This was all last winter. And we did all three of those uh, series, the Alpha, Beta, and the Gamma, you know, with increasing degrees of difficulty. Uh, right now, we're doing Body Beast. And this is just all weights, all weight lifting. And, and I'm so proud of Chris. He keeps lifting a little heavier weights each time. He's, so he's growing. And it's, it's great. <laughs> Julian Michaels, you know, she's the female guru and all of that. Some of you, though, are old enough to remember the original workout guy. Remember? Jack LaLanne. How many of you know Jack, Lane Jack LaLanne? So you've got to be old to remember Jack LaLanne. How many of you can see Jack LaLanne in your black and white? You can visualize this right now. In your black and white TV with that show coming on, and he's you know, in his jumpsuit, kind of tight-fitting jumpsuit, and he's doing jumping jacks. Can you see him? You kids, right after church, just get on your phone, Google Jack LaLanne. You'll see Jack LaLanne doing jumping jacks. And you'll go, look at that guy. Isn't he cute? And, you know, his equipment was a chair. You know, and he would just get you moving and get you working. And it's just great. I saw Jack LaLanne interviewed when he was 85 years old. Now, Jack LaLanne lived to 96 I just recently looked this up, read his bio. Jacqueline died of pneumonia at 96. I'll tell you what happened. When he died, it surprised him. Because just a few days earlier, he was doing jumping jacks. And, and at 96, you know, he, he, his heart probably got a little weak and he got a little infection. And so he laid down in the bed and he got pneumonia. And two days later, he's dead. I'm sure when he died, he went, hey, what, what's going on? What's the deal? He didn't expect to die. But he went to 96. 
just going full speed. It was just inspiring. I heard him when he was 85, and he was talking about his diet, and he said, I walk and I swim every day. And he said, he said, you know, my first wife, she passed away, and I've got this new young wife. And he looked over at her, you know, and he's got this big smile on his face. He said, and I got to take care of her, if you know what I mean. She's only 70, he said. <laughs> and then he said, and I don't use Viagra, you know. He, he was all full of himself. It was great. <clears throat> the last scene of this interview, Jack Elaine, you see him get up, jogs out to his new Corvette, jumps in his vet, and just, just burns rubber and peels out and takes off. 85, say, so you go, Jack. <laughs> now, now, listen, if you treat life as a threat and you just hunker down hoping that, you know, the next, the next foot doesn't drop, the next rock doesn't hit you on the head, you, you know, you won't get this. I've had people all weekend, you can imagine, come up to me after this, after this sermon and tell me about their lives. Some people just walk by resentful. <laughs> Other people come to me and say, you know, this is what I do. I had a woman just right after church this morning, first service. She said, I've had multiple sclerosis for 38 years. And she said, this is my workout regimen. She came up to me with a cane, you know, limping like this. And then she tells me what, told me what she does every day and that she's about to start a weightlifting regimen because she knows she doesn't, she said, I know that I'm going to be inclined to fall down. And she said, when I fall, I don't want to break anything. So I want to I build the density of my bones and I know that I can do that if I do some resistance training. So not only is she walking and doing other aerobic kind of exercises and she's in her early 70s, by the way, She's going to start some weight training in order to build up her bone density so she knows when she falls, and she will because of her MS, she'll be less likely to break something. Now, that's treating life like a challenge, not a threat. Right? Does that inspire anyone? Come on. Yeah, that's, that's what it's about. Last thought, and we'll be done. And that is, finally, thirdly, follow the Lord fully, not half-heartedly. All the way to the end. Follow him fully, not half-heartedly. You know, this attitude that says, you know, I'm, I'm retired now. And, you know, I served my time. And even in the church, you know, I volunteered. And I, I invested my life and, and, and gave regularly. Now it's, it's the younger people's turn. You know, I took my turn. Now it's their turn. No, 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 no wait. Wait, that's, see, that's, that's more culture just squeezing you into its mold. Get out of that. Shake that off. Follow Jesus with all of your heart all the way to the end. Follow him fully all the way to the finish line. See, you want to hit the, you want to hit the tape leaning forward. You don't want to be carried out feet first. You want to be leaning forward at the end, following Jesus with all of your heart and asking God, I'm still here you must have something for me to do. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still alive, therefore, I'm not done. You'll be done when your heart stops. You assume room temperature, you have permission not to serve anymore. <laughs> we, we, won't, we won't come to the cemetery and knock on your tombstone and say, you know, you're going to sign up? We'll, we'll leave you alone at that point. Until then, listen, God has plans for you. God has plans for you. So don't check out and don't give up and, and don't, 
cash in. Follow the Lord folly all the way to the end. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are getting older? I'll give you the answer. We all are. Everybody's getting older, right? So regardless of your age, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your past, regardless of your feelings, be a modern-day Caleb. Give in no longer to the feelings of uselessness or guilt or self-pity or fear. Don't go there. Resist that. They'll, they'll pressure you. Don't you feel guilty? You could have done I mean, really, you should have done better. Let that go. Let it go and hang on to Jesus. Live enthusiastically every day. View life as a challenge, not as a threat. Follow the Lord fully and not half-heartedly. And one more thing, one more thing. Start today and not later. Start today and not later. You know, some of you are really old. You don't have that much time left anyway, so you've got to start right now. <laughs> Come on. Isn't that great? Beth's grandmother was 93 years old. She was living in a retirement home, and Beth went to see her, and she suffered with numerous ailments, of course, 93. And she said, Grandma, are you ready to go? And she said, I'm ready to go. I just won't go. <laughs> well, listen, when it's time for you to go, you'll go. In the meantime, let's go for Jesus. And let's live with an enthusiastic, hopeful, optimistic, faith-filled life day by day. Amen? Amen? So there it is. All right, stand up with me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word today from Psalm 90. Thank you for the perspective Moses gives us. It's so encouraging and inspiring to remember these stories of these men and women who lived well all the way to the end. So help us, God, to shake off whatever cultural pressures we might feel and even the pressures that our own body and humanity tends to press in against us, reminding us that we're old and we can't do as much as we used to. And while that's true, God, help us to be enthusiastic every day and to take a hold of your purpose and destiny for our lives and that we might walk fully with you all the way to the end. So bless my friends in the room today and with everyone within the sound of my voice, extending your grace at the point of our need. Thank you, God, for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name. And everyone said...